You're on with Barbara. Hey, 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 it's me, Barbara Corcoran, and this is 888-BARBARA. That's right, it's time to answer all your burning questions. From the boardroom to the bedroom, nothing is off limits. So listen up for some advice on how to live your best life. Each week, I'll be answering all your burning questions, and sometimes I'll be asking them too, interviewing some of the greatest folks I know to learn the secrets of their success so I can share them with you. You got to picture this for a minute. I'm sitting here with a guy who's got a face that looks like a dead ringer for my football brother, Marty. Marty Lyons? <laughs> no, not Marty uh, Lyons. Nobody famous. Just high school football. Oh, okay. But terrifying to look at. Whoa. <laughs> and a guy that looks like he works out probably maybe three or four times a day for his entire life, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. What a hunk. I haven't had a hunk like this in my office a long time. He calls himself George Resch, but you probably know him as Tank Sinatra. Yeah, I'm available for hire, by the way. For hire I'll for every what? Day. I'll just come here and hang out if you want to hunk in You know office. what? I would pay anything for that just to yeah. feel really happy with myself <laughs> every day. <laughs> I think your wife might object though, right? <laughs> she knows I got to do what I got to do. But uh, for those few people who might not know Tank Sinatra, get to know him. I'm going to get to know him better. I've been admiring him for months, kind of reading every little meme he sends out. And his sense of humor is hysterical. But it always has a serious like hook in it as well mm-hmm. and very relatable. But I'm going to have him talk about his own uh, sense of what a meme is in just a moment. But you should know that he runs an impressively funny and successful meme account. And listen to the number with over 2 million followers, 2 million that is. And I know we're going to learn a lot from him today. Yep. You are going to hear from probably the most expert person in the meme category. So you live on social media. Start us off by you telling us what's a meme. Just a quickly digested little bit of information. Usually it's humorous. They've It's come to expand now. You can see memes of all kinds, political, business, inspirational, whatever. Everything is a meme. But it started off with humor, and that's why I got into it, because I love comedy. I've always loved comedy. You know, I was on Reddit, and they've morphed over the years. There was, you know, the impact font style where there was only 10 images to choose from, and you could write a caption at the top and the bottom, and it had to make sense immediately. Yeah, I forgot about that. That yeah. was a long time ago, right? 2009, 2010. Uh-huh. And I just liked the challenge of having to say it and say it fast and say it good mm, and but- say it quick. You have 140 characters. And it's over. To get the point across. Yeah, there's no setup, no punchline. It's just everything is self-contained. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you miss, but when you hit... I've come across many good memes in my life. I can remember them. I remember being in bed laughing. And it's usually when I get on a roll of some sort where Mm -hmm. I'm in a rabbit hole of some particular topic or on a particular page. Because they're not funny at the outset. Because usually you're looking at them on the subway or you're in the middle of something and you just glance at it and you kind of recognize that that relates to you. But when you can really dig into them, they become very funny. Yeah. And engaging. But how do you even choose what you're going to make fun of? What are you going to make pop a joke at, really? Just online for hours looking at good photos and getting an idea? Or do you come up with a concept and then try to put a visualization and words to it? It's both. Sometimes I'll come up with the concept first. Mm-hmm. Um, now give me an example, just so I could picture it with you. I do stand-up also. So as a comedian, you're constantly absorbing your environment. Is, so it a, you, is it a part cynical view of life? Oh, yeah. Like to see the shade of, of any situation. Yeah. Like Colin Quinn said, if you want to be funny, don't talk about what you think is funny. Talk about what pisses you off. Ah. And then people advice. will laugh at that because they'll relate to it because laughter is all tension relief. So if you can create a little tension and then relieve it, all of a sudden you're funny. Okay. So every one of your memes, I would say, in fact, without exception, is funny. 
But yeah, humorous, I guess. It's is generous. A, 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 yeah. No, 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 they're not. They're terrific. They're terrific. But I also noted that when I actually looked at the copy you write, there's not a single wasted word. It's yeah. tight, tight, tight. That just doesn't happen coming out of your head into your fingers and it happens. Do you edit? Again and again and again to get that tight copy? No. In stand-up, you have to because usually you have a premise and then you have to trim it down. Mm -hmm. With the memes, it's weird because it either comes into my head immediately or I cannot write. But what triggers it? You're online, you're looking at something, you're walking on the street, you see a guy, yeah. he reminds you of a clown. and go, I'm going to do one on a clown. Let me find a clown photo. Yeah. How does that happen? Memes have become a way to make a commentary on something that's going on in society mm. that's absurd or mm -hmm. ridiculous. So usually I'm paying attention to... Not so much the news, but more like the underbelly of the news, like the mm. Twitter trending page I'll look at to see what's going mm. on. Or something arises out of the most recent one with the baby Yoda of from the uh, the Mandalorian. There's the amount of images and the picture of the baby Yoda is so expressive yes. that you can't help but conjure up memories of being a child, insecure, wanting something. And you see that in their face and then you just think back to your life and you have to be able to extract experiences from your life and then bring them into the present moment and make them work with the image. And be entirely sincere. Yeah. Would you say that's basic to every great meme that can't be put on, it's gotta be genuinely yourself? Yeah, I'd say that's basic to any expression of creativity at all, is mm. sincerity. You have to know who you are, first of all, which is very difficult for some people, and then you have to be okay with it and then you have to be okay with expressing it to other people. And what did you do? You just jumped out and started your business for yourself after a few years of doing it? And where did you find the courage? Like you said, you have a wife, you have two kids at home. I think you also have a stepchild at home, right? I was yeah, 13-year-old yeah. Yeah, stepchild. That's a lot of people to be responsible for. You just decided, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to quit my job, my day job. I waited, I think, an appropriate amount of time to monetize the page. I waited till I got verified and I waited till I got to a million followers so that the offers that were coming in it looked like I might be able to sustain myself on that income. I had a great situation. I worked for a friend of mine in Long Island selling fence for a Victorian fence. Great guy, great company. He said to me, this would be like the third time that I've left the company. He said, bro, if it doesn't work, I'll just come back. Wow, great so boss. He was the one that taught me that sales is a, a transference of energy. And if you can get somebody excited about something, then you've won. It's not a game. You're not trying to manipulate them, but... The counter to that is if you can't get them excited about something, you can't influence people, yeah. But don't you think sales plays a big part in how successful you are in your business now? Yeah. And how does that play out? You um, know what's going what's gonna to resonate with people, you know what's going to have the common touch, what's relatable, and so you know you could sell people on really liking what you're putting out there? Yeah, and, it, kind of a thing? and it's also me. Again, you have to know who you are, be okay with it, and be okay with showing it. A lot of meme pages are not okay with showing who they are on the page because you're met with such vitriol sometimes. Mm. People are so angry that you've interrupted their meme experience to show them who you are. And I had pretty thick skin to be able to get through the first couple of rounds of comments and people unfollowing and leaving. I'm not here to see mm. you. I'm here for memes. It's like, all right, well, then you're not here for me then. You mm. know, you know, I've made multiple attempts over the last four years to turn the followers into fans of mine. And I'm still working on that because followers are one thing, fans are a totally different and thing. And what's the difference? They stay around a while? Followers will engage with your posts. Mm. The fans will engage with you. Wow, big difference. You know, I have a book coming out. I want to do a show. I want to do a live show. I want to do anything. I want to launch something. Mm -hmm. They're more apt to be okay with it. And it's taken a long time to get over that hump. Like when I wrote my first book three years ago, mm -hmm. people were livid with me. Why? Would, For what reason? That I would dare interrupt their experience You've online. Be kidding. Yeah, they were so mad. You find out very quick 
who's for you and who's not for you. Mm -hmm. So by virtue of having a solid fan base, you must feel very secure. Yeah. You're trusting your foundation. They're going to be there for you. You could sell all the stuff. You're going to make a very good living. Yeah. And what I said to my wife when I left the company, the fence company, she was obviously concerned with job security and being able to support us. And I said, first of all, I'm never going to let myself or my family starve. But there's no job security in sales either. It's every sale is your last and your first sale. Well, if you're any good at sale, you're the most insecure person selling. You yeah. think you're convinced every deal's your last deal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good it's a good mark. You said- I still feel like this is all a house of cards and I don't really deserve it and it's all about to fall apart at any moment. But every time I look, there's something new on the horizon. So I don't mind the insecurity. The insecurity Drives you. Drives me, yeah, keeps me going. Just doesn't debilitate me like it used to. And what does it do to your wife? Is she confident that you're going to make a very good living in this arena now? She wasn't initially or right from the get-go? She said, I trust you, baby, go for it. She's always been and probably always will be super supportive. You know, she trusts me. She understands that I will not give up on something until it's absolutely a dead end. Mm -hmm. And then usually by the time that happens, there's something else brewing. When I was growing up, I always felt like I was never going to be able to make a living for myself and I was going to struggle and suffer. My father was a worker. He wasn't an entrepreneur. He Mm -hmm. works for the Long Island Railroad, made a great living, great job, very secure, but there was no model for making it. And I was just saying before the podcast, Shark Tank taught me more about business than college, real life experience, because I watched it with my wife. We still watch it every time it's on. Yeah. When I was working in restaurants in the early 2000s, I had blogs and then I had a, a video blog in like 2008 or 2009. Then, and again, without an objective to capture people, it was simply to entertain yourself and to have an outlet for your, yeah. your creativity. Yeah, it's, That's the, all. it's all about the outlet. Yeah. Because I have all this pent up energy and creativity. You can only put so much of it into a restaurant job. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Let me ask you, you're very open about subjects that people generally are not open about. Like your alcoholism, yeah. your, you don't drink in how many years? 17 years. And what gives you the so courage to just get out there and talk about it with people? That's amazing to me. Because most people I know, they hide that until you become their closest friend. Yeah. And yet you're right out there on it. It's more beneficial to the person who needs to hear it than it is embarrassing for me. Mm, well put, man. Is that true? Yeah. So I know there's people out there that are struggling and I know that they need to feel like they're not alone. So I share it. I know that when I was struggling and I found out, like, let's say Robert Downey Jr. was mm-hmm. in recovery, I was like, wow, he's killing it. Maybe I can have wow. a nice life. So you were inspired by that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. What kind of feedback do you get from people? You you made me quit drinking. I believe it now, blah, blah, blah. What no, do you hear? It, I think that anything good, bad, or indifferent that happens in your life serves to help you relate to other human beings, which I think is what we're all here for. I think we're all here to bond with each other and feel like we're part of something. Usually the deeper, the darker secret you share, the more of a bond you make with somebody. So people don't typically bond over the sunshines and- Yes, yes, you're and, right. I mean, a little bit of like- Well, gra- misery loves company, as I say. But on the other side, it's like misery needs company. Like when people mm. are feeling down and out, they need to know that it's not just them because the isolation and the uniqueness of suffering is just another thing piling on top of you. If you are suffering and struggling, to know that it's not just you- I mean, it's literally every human being that's ever lived from the beginning of time mm-hmm. till the end of time is going to have some kind of struggles. Mm-hmm. So people tend to gravitate towards somebody who has the same struggles as them. Alcoholism and drug addiction is a killer. So if you are, you know, same thing as depression, these things that are like really heavy for people to deal with. Mm, I think you're only as sick as your secrets. And when you find out that somebody else has shared a secret with you, it kind of gives you permission to be 
who you mm. are. So how did you come up with Tank Sinatra? Oh, that was a flash of inspiration. I it's wish a I could great one. If I someone know. had said, I'm going to call myself Tank Sinatra, I would say it better be about music. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not. What um, made you even think that would be a good idea? And did people <laughs> tell you it was a stupid idea? No, what, what no. do you think? Well, no. now, of course, a great idea. But That's then, true. did your wife at least tell you the truth, say, what a stupid idea? I don't even think she noticed that I changed my Instagram name for like six months. She didn't <gasps> even know. Instagram and I guess things in general need to have a catchy, memorable hook. There's another page called My Therapist Says that um, grew very quickly right around the same time that I came out. Mm. And I remember thinking, why are they growing so fast? And I was like, their name is like a cliffhanger. Yes. My therapist says, Absolutely. what? It's like a dot, dot, dot. You got to go find out and see what the, my therapist said. But Absolutely. there was nothing there. It's just memes. So Tank Sinatra wow. is recognizable, obviously. And it's a little like tongue in cheek. I'm big. I'm obviously very tank-like. I yep. have blue eyes. Not old yet. Um, you have pretty eyes like him. That's true. Did you actually consciously think of yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Old blue eyes. That was it. And then there was another thought, like I'm from New York. So he's, yeah. you know, New York, And New you kind of talk like him in a way. Yeah. A really? Yeah. yeah. But you don't like Frank Sinatra music? Please tell me you do. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Really? Okay. I don't like it. I was hoping you didn't like it either. No, I couldn't even name (laughs) one song. He's another person who's like an idea, not necessarily a talent. Did you see A Star Is Born? Yes, I did. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. Great movie. But when you know Lady Gaga's father is talking to her, and and he's like, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra, I knew guys who could sing him under the table, but for some reason, when he went on stage, yeah, he became Frank Sinatra. Right. He had that thing about him. It is a catchy Instagram. Though. Oh, it's so memorable. My yeah. gosh. Great move. I'm going to read something to you that I copied down from reading up on you. You said, I'll quote you, life is complicated and I prefer digging into the corners where you see people struggling and bring them some humor there. Yeah. 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 Do you dig into the corners on a personal basis with your friends or are you more comfortable living online and digging into corners? Anything that happens online is a reflection of the way that I actually live my life. So there's no separation there at all. What you see there is what you get if I'm living in your house with you. I'm probably even a little bit more of who I am online in real life. So I think I'm funnier in real life. Who knows if that's true or not. And I think I'm more serious in real life. Online, you get a glimpse, a split second glimpse into someone's personality. Mm -hmm. But it speaks volumes the way you write it. Like I'm more of what I am online Mm -hmm. in real life. There's no difference. I wouldn't be putting on a persona of any sort. Yeah, I no, I, I, just sitting here with you, I couldn't imagine you having a single air to put on in any situation. I'm sure no. you're consistently yourself, right? Unfortunately, yeah. So you get into the dirty little corners of life and really uncover what you uncover, but you also have tank good news. Yes. How did that happen and what's that about? Oh, and man. is it as powerful as your humor in your other platform? I'd say tank's good news is probably, aside from getting sober, and getting married and having kids, the best thing that I've I've ever done. I always sought out the positive in life because it's hard to just be miserable, to be honest. It's yeah, really it hard is. to be unhappy. It's very difficult. It's stressful. You die sooner. You enjoy your life less. I don't know if I get one life or not, but I'm operating like I do. So the one that I have, I want to enjoy as much mm-hmm. as possible. So I always sought out the positive. Something happened when I started that page. People would take in the good news, but then people started writing me within a few days sending me stuff that they found. That was also good or yeah, and dispute I was like, your good news? No, they were like, here's a, an article I found that I think is great. And I was like, holy crap, this ripple is... So you found your people. Yeah. But why is it that people don't post good news frequently or even talk it much? What's that about with humankind? I think it has something to do with, from what I understand, evolution and the way the brain works. The brain registers threats more permanently than it does things that oh. go right. So if you were 
let's say a caveman walking down a path and you saw a snake, your brain would log that information in a way that like you would not go down that path again. If mm. you did, you'd be very careful and you're mm. going to go back to the cave and tell all your caveman friends, like, don't go down that path. There was a rattlesnake. I think the intentions are pure. I think people think that they're doing their friends a favor. I really do. <laughs> but they're not. They're just spreading a lot of times misinformation. The amount of misinformation that's spread on Facebook. All you have to do is look at the URL. Yeah. If it's a, a legitimate news source, cool. If it's Democrats are stupid.com or conservatives are idiots.com, like don't spread something like that, you know? Gossiping has shifted online and now it's not information about friend groups, it's information about a company or a, a person in the public eye. Absolutely. It's another form of gossip. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was hiring tons and tons of salespeople, building my business for the first four years, I used to hire a negative person or sales talent, uh -huh. and I would be convinced I could make them happy. No. But I found after a while, two years, I'd never hired a miserable person again. They just sucked the energy out of the whole company. Yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible. But people gravitate toward bad news. I've noticed that. And they don't enjoy it. They just are drawn to it because they want to be safe. And they mm -hmm. think that if they pay attention to all the threats, mm. then they'll be safe. That makes sense. You said from your childhood, you learned to use humor as a defense against the bullies. Yeah. What's that about? And was that a big piece of you going into this line of work? Oh, yeah. I don't think I, I would be doing anything like this if I wasn't a fat kid. Any really? of it. Yeah, I don't think I'd have any personality or any kind of coping mechanisms or sense of humor. I think that I have kids now, mm -hmm. so... Obviously, I don't want them to be bullied, mm -hmm. but I don't think- Are they fat kids? No, the kids are, okay. I mean, they're only six and two, the two-year-olds. Not as fat as while. I would like. Wait I wish he was a little fatter, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think bullying is the worst thing in the world. Mm. From my experience, you're going to experience adversity in your life. And when you're a child, the stakes are a lot lower. There's not a job at stake. There's not a marriage at stake. It's just kids being kids. So if you can... Well, it depends on how your kids wired and how they internalize yes. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a very, very sensitive kid. I took everything personally. I didn't think I was worth any kind of love or acceptance from anybody, friends or, or romantically. I just didn't think I deserved it. People can be cruel. And if you can learn to deal with the cruelty of somebody when you're a kid, you have a better chance of dealing with it when you get older because you are going to come up against it for sure. Well said. I wouldn't push my kids into a situation where they were going to be- you wouldn't protect them. If they came home and said, Dad, a bully's really picking on me, you'd say, handle it yourself, kid? I'd say, handle it yourself. And it says a lot more about him than it does you. Don't take it personally because it's mm. not you. It's probably something going on in his life. And my parents told me that when I was younger, but yeah. I didn't get it Yeah. until later. Yeah, but yeah. the seeds were planted, which okay. is all you can do. Yeah, you have two books. The first title is Happy is the New Rich. What a fabulous title. It sticks yeah. with you. And your second book, your newest book is called? Go to Bed Angry. Your books are selling so well. They have from the get-go. Yeah. Do you think it's half because of the title? Well, in a way, your title is another meme, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short, little, concise bit of information. I don't think I'm for everybody, but I think that the people who are exposed to me and who do get a glimpse of me, the ones who are for me... Know it right away. Does anything embarrass you? Now? Yeah. No, not yeah. really. That's what I expected you to say. In the past, yeah, embarrassed. Yeah, no, we don't care about that. The past is the past. You've turned that corner. So you're hearing now from Tank Sinatra, and I should have said your name 50 times so the thing will plug it in. <laughs> That's always useful, right? Yeah, my very last question, where is the whole idea of memes headed? Five years out. Oh, my God. Five years is a long time in internet Two time. years out. Two years out, I think... There's always going to be new formats coming out. 
people are going to become a little bit more willing to take risks. Day to day, people will be willing to take risks, or you're talking about from your space as a meme? Yeah, from like from like yeah. meme makers, comedians, mm-hmm. entertainers, stuff like that, because everything mm. is so you can't say anything and people get upset. I think that we've swung as far left on the pendulum as we could possibly swing. And you think it's really going to swing the other direction? Oh, I yeah. would love it, but oh, I'm yeah. not expecting that. No, Why? Def- it has to. Why would people be more forgiving, more open? People grow. In two years, the people who are acting like this now, have you ever looked back on a mm-hmm. Facebook post from two years ago and you're yes. like, oh my God. I know. What was I thinking? I know. I think there's going to be a lot of that. And I think there's going to be a lot of people loosening up. And I think Gen Z, who's the youngest of the generations right now, right? Mm-hmm. I think that they are seeing what kind of turmoil being rigid mm. can bring to a society. And how much it's not any fun. It's no fun. Mm. And I don't think, have you ever read Harrison Bergeron? Never have, no. It's a Kurt Vonnegut short story. And it's basically about a totally equal society. Oh God. And how boring mm. and, and lame and really sad it is. Mm. The ballerinas have sandbags on them. The intelligent people who test high on an IQ test have uh, an earpiece that makes loud noises so they don't think straight. Oh, crazy. It's like physical constraints on natural talents. And everybody wants equal opportunity. Black people, gay people, white, tall, short, trans, whatever. Everyone deserves the right to a happy life. Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty of humankind is in the diversity I celebrate it all the but, way. But most people are afraid of it. Yeah, I think those people are also kind of dying out. I think that mm-hmm. they'll, in a few years, be embarrassed of how unaccepting they were of mm. certain viewpoints and and people. And you, at some point, you just have to say, my world in reality is very small, mm-hmm. and I keep that clean. And I think that personal responsibility will lead towards letting other people be who they are. Because if you're taking care of yourself, you assume that other people are doing the same. If you're not, you think that nobody is. Well said, I think yeah. that's the problem. What we have here is a phenomenal success story with 2 million followers in a short period of time yep. and a guy that the whole world's in love with. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, my name is Diana, and I'm from Maryland. My question is about what I should do with my career. I'm sort of at this crossroads where I've been in a pretty comfortable, family-friendly job for a few years, and I'm just feeling like it's not fulfilling, and I sort of don't know what to do? Should I take a risk or, you know, should I stay in a career that's been pretty family friendly, even though it won't ever be that lucrative? I've just been so indecisive and I I don't know what to do. I just need some good advice. I'm just so excited Aww. to talk to you guys. My voice is like in another register. Sorry okay. about that. All right. But, for a girl, but a girl who is uh, stuck in something, you don't sound so unhappy. No, I'm not unhappy because I'm not going to let myself reach that point. I guess I don't intend to reach the point where I'm just full on miserable. Like I've sort of gotten enough signs that it's time to move on and I'm not going to be miserable about it. Things happen. I'm strategizing what my next step is. 
kind of thing. We heard your question. You're in the position that it's your option to move on or is someone asking you to move on? I've been in my job for five years. It's not an exciting job. Mm -hmm. It's not something you want to talk about at dinner parties kind of thing. I'm curious. So what job is it? I am an attorney in the government and I do a lot of different things, but kind of regulations and advice and things like that. Sounds boring to me. I have to agree with you. (laughs) I'm bored to tears right now. It's not thrills and chills, especially the content. What do you think, Tang? What does family friendly mean? Does that mean you have a good quality of life and you're able to be there for your family? Or is it, what does that mean? I think I have a really good quality of life. I can sort of leave my job at home. I don't work late hours. I telework twice a week. I have holidays off. I have lots of vacations. Honestly, I have a lot of energy and sort of um, mental bandwidth left for my children. And I appreciate that. I think it's important. And what does not lucrative mean? Are you struggling to pay your bills or are you just not sailing around on yachts? Everything about the job is just sort of decent. I would never be in the position to struggle to pay my bills. I'm just not that kind of person, no matter how low or high the salary would be. There's like a very concrete ceiling of how much money I could make. I don't want to say mediocre, but it's kind of mediocre. (laughs) Is is there a pension? It's low. It's like 1% of your highest three years of salary for every year that you work. So the pension isn't keeping you there. You're not really turned on by that, nor are you turned on by how much money you could make, right? But you don't sound like a gal who's motivated by money to my ear. Not really. I've never been motivated by money, but now that I have children, I wonder if that's a big mistake. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're enjoying it. How old are your kids, Diane? They're six and eight. Yeah, the little kids. Yeah, so important. Yeah, so I've been in this job, like, basically their whole babyhood, and it's really, I think, worked out well. But now they're a little older and a little more independent, and I'm wondering if maybe uh, I should you know, try something new and and different. What do you say? Do you have any idea of what you'd want to do? I don't trust my own instincts anymore. I don't. You have no list of, oh, I wonder if I'd be good at this. I wonder if I should do that. Not even conceptually. You have nothing out there. It's a really almost too big list. I'm very much a generalist and I like doing lots and lots of things. Mm. And that's sort of how I got to where I am. So like I floundered in college and then I was like, oh, I'll I'll go to law school. I like reading. I like writing. Mm. That sounds good. And it was sort of almost a way to avoid just picking something and sticking Mm. with it. It was kind of a recession environment when I graduated. So all justified. Yep. I get it. I'm going to give you a little tough love here if you don't mind, Diane. Please do. I think you have only one problem, and I think you know it better than you're admitting. I think you're simply indecisive, period. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But guess what happens when you're indecisive? You don't get anything good. You don't enjoy what you have. You can't envision what you might have. And so you kind of piss your whole life away being indecisive and settling for what's easy, convenient, or justified, or rational. Exactly. And that does not make... A happy woman, just as important, it does not make a happy mom. Would you hope that your own kids would 
lead a life similar to that, that they're indecisive about what's going to make them happy in life? Would you hope they grow up and take a stand and take a shot and take a risk at finding something that really makes them excited to get to work every day? Which would you prefer as a child that you raised? Oh, the latter, definitely. Well, then you have no choice here. You've got to give up this indecisiveness stuff right away and get on with your life to set an example. Your kids are going to be just like you. How do I even do that? I think you love your kids enough to make that change. Do it for them and give yourself a deadline. Okay. Give yourself a deadline to make a list within a week of what you might enjoy. Then give yourself a deadline two weeks hence for two interviews you must take, even if you're not sure if they're for you. Give yourself a deadline to get a new job. It's way, way, way overdue. You probably have been that job probably... Four and a half years too long. Four and a half years too long, exactly. Yeah. What would you, you say? Right. Do you think I, I'm being a little too tight, you guys too are tough right. on Diana here? No, I think you're being the you know perfect amount of tough. When you're a parent, your ideals and your actions, if they're not the same, your kids are going to pick up on your actions mm-hmm. way more than your ideals. And, mm-hmm. and you have your own life to live and their life is going to be their life, but... Barbara asking you what kind of kids would you want to raise is a great way to answer the question of what kind of person do you want to be? Because mm. we all want our yeah. kids to be better than us without actually, yes. you know, doing it first. And you got to do yes. it first for you and then they'll benefit. But it really is going to wind up benefiting you first and foremost. Yes. In my defense, I work in the government. So what you can do is take a detail and go in a different office. So I did take that opportunity since it was like literally right in front of me. And there's no risk. It's just a temporary thing. So I did go to another office. Good for you. That's a start. It's more fun and I do like it better, but I can kind of see how eventually I might get in the same situation and they're going to open the position I'm doing at a much, much lower salary. Again, I find myself like struggling with indecisiveness, I've just been doing unsatisfying things for so long because I thought it was the logical or justified Mm. thing to do. I don't even know anymore when to jump. But you got to figure it out. Nobody's going to figure it out for you, right? Yeah. Whatever decision you make, you're never going to know what the right decision is until you make it. And then whatever you choose, you have to make that the right one in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, just make sure that it's the right decision that you made by taking the right action. That's pretty wise. I stole it. (laughs) (laughs) Told by a wise man. Diana, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was really helpful. Bye. Hey, Barbara. This is Seth from Crescent, BC, Canada. My question is, do quitters never win and do winners never quit? As a 24-year-old father of two, I am happily married. I have started and failed a couple of different businesses, and I mostly failed specifically one of them because I quit out of stress. Working a day job, I'm very passionate about restarting a business someday in the future once I get my finances better taken care of. But would it be a bad idea to continue pursuing this after I have quote-unquote, failed in the past. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I'm looking at this beautiful picture of you and your kids and your wife. You look like a happy family. Thank you. (laughs) You look like a a guy who hasn't had a day of stress in his life. What do you mean you quit out of stress? (laughs) I find that really funny. 
Wait, wait, what's so funny? You said it. That I don't look like I've had any stress. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, uh, that's true. I started a real estate business at the age of 18. Wow. I was going to be the young prodigy that so many people believe they're going to be. Long story short, I burnt through like 20 grand in savings in the blink of an eye. You had $20,000 yeah, at 18? Incredible. Yeah, I've been a frugal one. Mm. So you burned through the money and your business went belly up. Yes, pretty much. And I realized that a lot of it is because I just started to give up. One thing compounded on top of the other. I'm not the type of person that can stay encouraged easily when I'm not getting results. I've come to realize that about myself over the years. What kind of results were you not getting? Were you not selling houses or you weren't even getting calls back? I was getting calls back. I sold one house within like the period of six months. That's pretty good for somebody starting out, right? That's not unusual by any means. Yeah, it's hard to get started in real estate. It really is. It takes a little traction. I get discouraged easily when I don't see results. Seth, I'm curious. Were you working by yourself? One-man operation? You had other people around you? I was a one-man operation. Yeah, it's tough. Really tough. Sales is lonely enough. Never mind be by yourself in your little office with your little phone. Yeah, and I, I thought about switching to a team several times. Mm-hmm. But my broker, each time I went in and told him I was going to do this, he... He was very persuasive. He told me, you're going to be paying a lot in fees. Well, he was stupid and you probably knew better. I would agree with that, yes. What do you do now? I work for an explosives company now up in Canada. When you fail in business, what do you do? You move to Canada. (laughs) And then you blow things up. (laughs) That's right. Take out my frustration daily. I earn about $100,000 a year for the explosives company with good benefits and a good schedule. What do you do there? What are you doing for the company? So I mix and deliver explosives on site. So we we go into the mine sites and we mix it on site and we deliver hundreds of thousands of pounds per day. God almighty, is Is that a risky job? If you're not following protocol, it is. Wow. No, I'm worried about you and you're not even my husband. And I'm worried about your kids, yeah. You sold one house in six months, got stressed out, but you will deliver explosives all day, every day, and you're as cool as a cucumber? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) That's funny now that you say it that way. I suppose that my question could be wrapped up in, is it a bad idea to keep pursuing stressful situations when I just want the results? I just want the money from a business. Honestly, I'm just going to be honest with myself. So when, when I quit in the past, does that mean that I'm just going to quit again in the future? You're afraid of yourself. Mm. A little bit. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's the only one way to find yeah. out. Uh, let me say a couple of things that I'm thinking of, okay? That you failed at something in the past. You've got to get over that. You start examining that, that becomes the new you when it was the old you. It's just a page in a book. You turn the page, you do something else. You're successful in what you're doing now. You're holding that job very well if they're paying $100,000 a year, I'm sure, right? Yes. All right, so there's one success there. You're in a success right now, okay? The question that I'm most concerned about is your question of saying you love the idea of taking money from a business, and you know that about yourself. And good for you that, that you're so honest with yourself. But I have to tell you, I've never seen an entrepreneur ever, ever in my whole life that was hugely successful in business for themselves doing anything where they were motivated by the money. Interesting. It's the wrong God to serve from what I see. People who are focused on making the money, making the money and a business for that usually don't do well. People who are focused at building a huge success or get over some failing of their own or some kind of insecurity of their own, or they just want to brag about it or they want to be admired. All those false values work very well in building business, I think. But just being focused on the money, I can honestly say I've never met anyone successful in business. How about you, Tang? Like you said, you're serving the wrong God. Money 
is a byproduct, I think, of providing a service well said. or a value that's needed and one that you uniquely have. And if you uniquely have it and enjoy it, you know, one of the best things that happened to me in business was I got good at being bad at things, meaning if I tried something when I was younger and I wasn't good at it, I just gave it up immediately and I only mm. did things I was good at. Turns out I'm not that good at a lot of <laughs> anything, especially your first time. <laughs> your first time you do anything, you're not going to be great at it. So you got to figure out whether or not you like it. Maybe you didn't like real estate. Maybe you didn't like working alone or the question marks all over the place of real estate. Is this going to work? Because there's a lot that can go wrong once a deal is even secured. So that might be too little security for you. But I think you're young enough and you have enough of a reason to do this, meaning you and your family, that you can afford to take risks right now. Just be persistent and flexible in your approach. Well, that's very insightful. And I really appreciate that because I did not realize that very few people were actually motivated by the money. I told myself for a lot of years that I wasn't. And then until recently, I was like, you know what? I'm just lying to myself. That's 100% the reason. So, so I'm going to work on finding a way around that, I guess. I want to just say one last thing, if I may. Okay, just reading between the lines here a bit. I hear tremendous stress in you. I bet you're stressed about a lot of stuff. Do you have an issue with just feeling stress about everything? I have. I'm doing much better than I have in a lot of years. I've, I've gone to uh, counseling over some things in the past that I've dealt with. And so, yeah, I, I feel stressed, but I'm slowly getting better with yeah, with handling that. Wow, yeah. you're very insightful, Barbara. Uh, no, it's just you're a 24 year old guy, father of two, and yeah. I just I couldn't even put myself in that position at 24. Oh, yeah, and it's super hard for me to make decisions when I'm under stress. I do the stupidest things. Everybody does. You're not alone. Yeah. Well, good luck well, to you, Seth. I appreciate that. Thank you, Barbara. Make Thank sure you, you keep that family in good order. They're, they're beautiful. That's number one. Thank okay. you. That Bye-bye. means the world to me. My pleasure. I, I could tell. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And that's all the questions we have time for today. I hope you found the advice helpful. Think I got it right? Think I got it wrong? Have an idea for a great guest? Come on, give it to me. Tweet me at Barbara Corcoran using the hashtag 888Barbara and keep those questions coming into the 888Barbara hotline. You can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be coy. Leave a review for the show at Apple Podcasts and keep the party going on. We'll see you next time. 888 Barber is produced by Sandy Smolens for Audiation. And Lila Mann is our executive producer. Audiation.